This is a reading from the first book of Samuel. Hannah prayed, and she said, My heart exalts in the Holy One of old. My horn is lifted up in my God. My mouth opens wide against my enemies, for I will rejoice in my victory. There is none holy like the Most High, none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Speak proudly no more, multiplying pride, nor let arrogance come from your mouth. For the ageless God is a God of knowledge, and by God actions are accounted. The bows of the mighty are broken, yet the feeble grind on warrior strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, yet those who were hungry are fat. She who was barren has birthed seven children, yet she who has many children languishes. The creator of all kills and gives life, brings down to Sheol and raises up. The gracious one makes poor and makes rich, brings low and also lifts up. God raises up the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the heaps of human waste to seat them with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For to the creator belong the pillars of the earth and on them God has set the world. God will guard the feet of the faithful who belong to God, while the wicked perish in shadow, for it is not by might that one prevails. The Holy One of Sinai, those who strive against God shall be shattered. God thunders against them from heaven. The fount of justice will judge the ends of the earth. God will give strength to God's ruler and exalt the power of the anointed of God. Good morning, everyone. I forgot to grab my trusty stand today. My name is Jonah, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm your lead pastor here at Zao. It's lovely to be back with you. I was out sick last week, but it's fine. I heard you had an amazing guest preacher. (laughs) Uh, We are in our final Sunday before Christmas in the season of Advent, and as you may have noticed um, in these scripture readings that we have, at the bottom, there's like a very long translated by note. There are a lot of different translations of scripture, and many of them, almost all of them, are put together by these massive committees of academics. But we are using Will Gaffney's Women's Lectionary this season, this season of Advent, and maybe for a while, trying to understand the scriptures through the tellings of the works of God, of the women who are represented, and underrepresented in the scriptures. Um, Using Will Gaffney's expertise, she's 
um, a foremost womanist biblical scholar. And she has translated these herself. Any work of translation is going to rely on lots of other works of translation. But I really like the way that she infuses her own understanding of who God is and her womanist and feminist take on the scriptures, her willingness to put forward the femininity of God to really highlight what pieces we do have of who God is that relates to and represents the women in the scriptures. And so this season, we have been going through the story of Advent through these announcements from women. Now last week, when I did miss, we were focusing on Mary, the Annunciation, the announcement of Mary from Gabriel to Mary about who Jesus is and how Jesus was coming, and then Mary's response, this incredible song of liberation. And this week, we have another song, another announcement, another proclamation from Hannah. Now, there are many songs in the scriptures. We don't think of it that way because it's text on a page, but there are many songs. And some of the most famous, some of the most radical are from women. Mary's song, the Magnificat. Hannah's song that we just heard today. Miriam's song that she sings with instruments with the women as they cross the Red Sea. These are incredibly radical proclamations of who God is and what God is doing. Announcements, annunciations of God's presence and power in the world. And Will Gaffney argues that maybe Advent, instead of being called Advent, which is about waiting and anticipation, should be called the season of annunciation of the announcements of what God is doing in the world. And when you look at this season through the women, that is what we get. We get these, these bold proclamations of who God is and what God is doing. So what does it mean to announce who God is? Well, it's, it's a way of sharing what God has done, what God is doing, and what that means for what God will do, which is another way of saying it's prophecy. And Miriam specifically is called a prophet in the context of her singing her song. Hannah and Mary are doing the same thing. They are naming what was, what is, and is to come. And they have a very radical vision. Now, we tend to think of prophecy as a magic eight ball, right? We think of prophecy as, as telling us the specifics and, and predicting the future, so to speak. But prophecy in the biblical sense is about truth-telling. And that phrase, truth to power, comes to mind. It's about reminding the people and the power structures of this earth who is actually in charge and what her project is. And so, last week when we were reading about Mary singing about the arrival of Jesus, she actually doesn't talk that much about Jesus specifically. She talks and sings about what God is doing. And it is a radical, radical vision. It is a vision consistent with what we hear from Jesus, that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, which is called the great reversal. But I think that sometimes when we think about the first shall be last and the last shall be first, we have this image of a kind of hierarchy where those at the top and those at the bottom sort of switch places. 
But that's not what Mary is proclaiming here. That's not what the first shall be last and the last shall be first really means. The first shall be last and the last shall be first means an absolute destruction of that hierarchy. A world in which all are made well, all are made whole, and there is no first and there is no last. And even the disciples didn't get this, right? They were rolling with Jesus for a long time, but still saying things like, hey, once we get to heaven, who's going to be like your right hand, though? And Jesus is like, you guys, don't, have you been listening at all? I am here to level these hierarchies. I am here to bring us all into wholeness and connection. There is no right hand anymore. We are all one. We abide in God. And Mary gets this. Mary gets this when she says that God will bring up the lowly and cast the mighty down from their thrones. But a thousand years before Mary, a thousand years before Jesus, we have Hannah. Hannah singing about how the bows of the mighty are broken and the feeble gird on warrior strength. Hannah singing about how God raises the poor from the dust, lifts the needy. I don't want you, I don't want you to dwell in this like very visceral imagery. Lifts the needy from heaps of human waste to seat them with the nobles and inherit the seat of honor. Hannah knows what's up. Hannah knows how messed up this world is. And Hannah knows that that is not the vision of God. That God is doing something incredible here. That God is in, in the process of liberating all of God's people. That though there may be some who are treated as absolute trash, that that is a problem of the hierarchies and sins and wounds and violence of the world. But that the God that she worships is bringing all of those things into liberation. It's a radical reorientation. And this is a thousand years before Jesus. A thousand years. And it's not her being like, hey, you guys, guess what? Next millennium, some cool stuff is going to happen. You wait till you hear about this Jesus guy. No, she's talking about something that's already happening. And she's singing after Miriam, who is singing in the Exodus, as God's people are being liberated from Egypt, and they are marching and dancing into freedom. God is doing this. God has been doing this. And this is not to minimize Jesus or Advent or Christmas. On the contrary, Jesus is the most complete embodiment of God on earth. That's why, especially this time of year, we, year, we call Jesus Emmanuel. God is with us. Because even by calling Jesus Emmanuel, we are announcing who God is. We are proclaiming a kind of truth. We are speaking prophecy about what was and is and is to come. And this announcement, it is a fundamental act of faith, of hope, of solidarity. And it is something that God has given us as a gift, the call to announce, the encouragement to shout out to one another who God is and what God is doing. Because while the Hebrew scriptures always call God out as the God who remembers, the God who remembers us in our distress, we are the foil to that. Because God's people are the people who forget. We're not announcing because nobody has heard this before. 
We're announcing because nobody can seem to remember. Mary and Hannah and Miriam are announcing the God who liberates, not because it's news, but because people seem to keep forgetting what the project of love and divinity and power is in this world. Kings keep calling themselves God, saying that they're bringing peace. And people like Hannah have to say, no, while there are people living in squalor, God's liberation has not come. But let me tell you, God is at work here. God is doing something here. And good things are coming to the lowly, and the mighty will be cast down from their thrones. So you better watch yourself if you think that you've arrived, nobles, because your seat of honor, it's a disgrace. And God is at work, and you are not God. Hannah names her son Samuel, which means God has heard. And so in the same way that we are called to remember and she is announcing to the rest of us lest we forget, she says, God has heard. God has heard. God hears. Jesus similarly is named Jesus. God saves. God liberates. Prophecy, proclamation, these are acts of faith. And it's not just our tradition that knows that. One of the most precious gifts I was ever given was a tattoo. I have a friend who is an artist and a member of the Nuchalnuth tribe, which is a native uh, tribe originating on an island off of Vancouver. Uh, and so this is, this is my tattoo, if you can see it. It's a stick and point, point and stick. I always get that wrong. But it's a traditional way of tattooing. And this friend, after we'd had long conversations about our other tattoos and our dreams, our hopes, our faith, they said, I want to give this to you. It's the saying, it's the core saying of my tribe, of my people. It's uh, Klukwana. And Klukwana means we remember reality. Now, Klukwana is not only a saying, it's a ceremony that pre-colonization was like several days long, and they would do it annually. It was this huge kind of reenactment, this dramatization of an experience that that community had all the time about the forces pressing between one another, the forces of destruction and of creation. And so there would be this long, elaborate ceremony over the course of days where the forces of destruction characterized as wolves would come kidnap members of the community, and then they would be liberated and saved. Now, this saying, Klukwana, we remember reality, it's about remembering a truth that creation wins, that creator wins that in the battle between the forces of destruction and creation, destruction always loses because, as they would say, creator owns reality. And that is, in fact, their most common name for God. Creator owns reality. We remember reality. And so the name of God, which in my context, reminds me of a phrase, love wins, is a proclamation 
is an announcement, is an invitation to remember. Remember reality. Creator owns reality, not destruction, not evil, not cruelty, not violence. Creator, creation, love, and hope. And in the same way in our tradition, we have these names. Samuel, God hears. Emmanuel, God is with us. In the Hebrew scriptures, we have this God who remembers. And now we have Jesus. God saves. God liberates. These prophets, these figures of faith, Samuel and Jesus, their names given to them by these women, they name true things about who God is. And they invite us to say those things over and over again. Now we may forget the meaning, but I want you to think about that every time you say Jesus. I want you to think about liberation. Every time you say Emmanuel, I want you to think about the God who is here with you in this moment, now and forever. Now, in English, we have a word that we use to describe God in the scriptures. I've talked before about how I'm so bummed out by it. It's Lord. And Lord is this feudal term of like respect and hierarchy. And I got to tell you, it cannot be further from my understanding of who God is. And that's like, it's not really equivalent to how those things are translated into other languages. So Will Gaffney, in her translation, she's like, I'm not using Lord. That's, that's like totally anachronistic. It does not convey who God is. And so she compiles a list, a list of names for God. Because I don't know. Maybe you all are old enough to know that Amy Grant song that does all the names of God. No, all right, I'm old. It's fine. Don't listen to Amy Grant. You've got better things to do. (laughs) But there are a lot. There are a lot of names for God. There are a lot of names for God. And many of them have been preserved sort of like from Hebrew. And we don't necessarily know like what does Adonai mean, right? So, What Will Gaffney has done is compile from the scriptures a series of names translated into English. And as she does with other things, she emphasizes the feminine. So she's going to use feminine pronouns. But these are scriptural. And so I just want to read you a couple. Creator is one. Author of life. Fire of Sinai. Fount of justice. God who hears. Mighty one. Holy one of old. God who sees. Gracious one. Mother of all. Mother of the mountains. Sovereign one. She who speaks life. Rock who gave us birth. Sheltering God. She who is faithful. She who is peace. Righteous one. Redeemer. The one who is. Now, God could have settled for one name. God could have said, hey, I'm Steve, that's the end. Always call me Steve. 
but she didn't. God's relationship to God's people is defined by these proclamations over and over about who God is. And so when we refer to God, when we collapse everything to mean just God, which just is El in the scriptures, which is pretty infrequent actually, or worse, when we mistranslate it into like feudal European whiteness and call God Lord, how much are we missing there? Mother of the mountains? Like, there's so much. She who shelters us. The rock who gave us birth. Like, there is so much more there. There's an announcement there. There's a reminder there of who God is. Of who we worship. Who we are in relationship with. Who they are to us. Who we are to him. There is so much there that we lose when we fail to announce, to proclaim, to remind one another who God is. We have to remind one another because it is so easy to forget. We are not just the people that forget because we just kind of like are bumbling and not paying attention. We forget who God is because we live in a world that feels so removed from liberation that sometimes it feels easier to forget than to remember and feel the distance between what is and what ought to be. But it is our call as faithful people. It is our call as co-liberators of this world. It is our call as ones who hope to name and announce and remember that a change is going to come and that God has been doing and is doing and will do incredible things that we are a part of something, we are a part of the healing of all creation, that it is the mother of the mountains who empowered us to proclaim truth, that God is lifting up those who are suffering, that God is leveling hierarchies, that God is with us and God saves. We remember reality and we remind one another when it feels like this is all there is, when it feels like the, the cold and dark is closing in on us, when it feels like nothing good is going to come, we remember reality and we announce it to one another. And when we can't, we turn to our mothers of the faith. We turn to Hannah to remind us. We turn to Mary to remind us. God saves. God liberates. God is coming. And that last piece, <coughs> excuse me, that God is coming. This is what we do when we can't announce. We invite. We ask. We say, God, please come. God, come. Come be with us. I was asked once to give an invocation. I've been asked a couple times now, but the first time I was asked to give an invocation at a formal religious event, I was like, what? I'm not a very like liturgical person. I didn't really know what invocation meant, even though I'd like been to seminary and stuff. There are people that have more formal kind of high church institutions that are like every day there's like the invocation and the proclamation and the great Thanksgiving, right? And there are these different kind of ways of being. And I wasn't familiar with that. But when I looked into it, I was like, invocation, that's inviting God to be with us. And I had this moment of like, how weird is that? We know God is with us. 
And yet, there is something really powerful about knowing that God is right here and saying, God, please come. God, come be with us. There is something powerful about it because we, we can know that God is with us, but if we don't feel that God is with us, if we're not embodying our experience of God being with us, then it's actually a gift to us that God says, you can call my name. You can invite me in. Yes, I am already there. Somehow I'll be also more there when you invite me because I love to say yes to your invitation. So please, invite me into your spaces. And so in Advent, there is also, in addition to the tradition of announcing, of proclaiming, of saying God is and was and will be, there's a tradition of saying, God, please. God, it's cold out here. Please come. God, we are in need of liberation. Please come. God, we need you to be with us. Please come. And we know that God has said yes to that because we are in the process of remembering God's fulfillment in, in the person, in the enfleshment of Jesus. We know that God is coming. We know that a change is going to come. And so we say, God, please come. Change, please come. Liberation, we need you. And Christmas then becomes the yes. Yes, I'm coming. Yes, I'm here. I've been here. I will be here. And I am coming right now for you. And so if you can hold that whole mishmash of paradox, of hope and longing, of proclamation and truth-telling and request, then you've nailed Advent. And this is why we sing, fully knowing that God is here with us right now, we sing, come, oh come, Emmanuel. Come, God who is with us. How weird is that? God who is with us, be with us. But that's what we're called to do. Because when it gets cold, when it gets lonely, God says, call my name, remember reality, proclaim it to one another. Here I am. Will you pray with me? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Come, Holy Spirit. Rock, who gave us birth, be with us now. Be the foundation under our very bodies. Be the breath in our lungs. And God, thank you for being those things always. For what was what is and what is to come. You are the God who saves. May we proclaim your name above all else. Amen.